Hey, podcast listeners, this is Charles Chandler. We're up to episode number 47 this week. It's going to be a rerun of episode uh, that we aired in March of 2016, number six, on water and sewer management in municipalities. Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Today I'm pleased to bring you another episode in our series about government, and in particular local government agencies. Here I'm going to be visiting the offices of the city of Kerrville, Texas, and we're going to explore water and sanitation services. I'm joined by uh, Christine Day, who's the Deputy City Manager of the City of Kerrville, and Stuart Barron, who's Director of Public Works in the City of Kerrville. And uh, thanks for joining us today and inviting me into your office, actually. This podcast is about managers and management, and um, certainly our listeners can't really see what's going on in the City of Kerrville, so we have to kind of paint a, a picture of of uh, what we're talking about. Uh, let me see if I can kind of set the stage because uh, Stuart was, was very kind to give me a tour the other day of the facilities. So we have a town of about 20,000 people situated 70 miles west of San Antonio, roughly, on I-10. Kerrville's on the Guadalupe River in a little river valley, very picturesque. Elevation runs from about 1,600 to 2,100 feet above sea level. So that has implications for how we deliver water and, uh, and collect wastewater. Uh, today we're talking about water and wastewater, but it's, it's only one of many city services, of course, and, and I think you deal with many of the others as well. But um, take a minute and fill in some gaps and tell us a little bit about the responsibilities of, of water and wastewater. Okay, the city of Kerrville has a very diverse water and wastewater system. Um, the city has groundwater wells, ASR wells, surface water treatment plants, two surface water treatment plants, um, and a on-channel storage on the Guadalupe River. Uh, we use all of those to serve our citizens, and then we also operate our own wastewater treatment plant uh, where we treat the water and then put it back into the river downstream of Kerrville. So when we talk about water, basically it's run a river type uh, withdrawal from the surface water. And the river varies quite a bit. Um, we're in Texas, so uh, normally, well, it can be quite dry. We've, we've come out of a period of drought, but um, there's not much storage in the system. In other words, you don't have a reservoir that you can draw on for, let's say, uh, a couple of years if, if, the, if the river dries up. Um, and, and you also have a groundwater source, which um, you're pulling from, um, especially in drought. When the, when the river might be low, how do you how do you look at the future? Do you? I know you you've, you've talked about um, injection wells, um, but uh, give us a sense of, of how you see, let's say, the next five or ten years, and and whether or not you're able to meet demand on the water side. Well, historically, what we've done is is use our run of the river water first, because as you've said, the, the river is not always running as hard as it can be. Uh, we do get curtailed by the water master's office. And so about 85, on a, on a normal year, um, about 85 to 90% of our water comes from run of the river. Um, on a drought year, 
uh, that number can go down to um, 30% of our water comes out of the river um, or, or less. Um, so our priority is first run of the river. Second is is our ASR system and, and ground. That means, um, tell me what ASR stands for. Aquifer Storage and Recovery. Okay. Well, I, so basically, you, you take some water out of the river, you treat it, and then you pump it back into groundwater storage so that when you need it, it'll be there. During the times, usually the winter months, there's a, there's an excess amount of water in the river. The river's flowing more than, than it will in the summertime. We're able, we have capacity at our water treatment plant because our citizens aren't using as much water. And so we take that extra clean water and store it in an aquifer under Kerrville. And then we're able to use it that, that following summer. Hopefully we're, we're able to bank it longer than that. Typically, um, we would like to get to a point where we have a whole year's worth of supply in the ASR system, but we, we, we're not quite there. Um, it's gotten up to about 800 million gallons. I think right now we're somewhere around 500 million. Um, but um, that's, the, that's the ASR system in a nutshell. Take the, take the, old, the extra that you have in the winter, store it for the summer. Right, but considering the facilities you have right now on the water side, um, how many years from now do you feel comfortable in, in util- utilizing just what you have without adding additional sources of supply? I think it's important to know that Kerrville has been very aggressive in our water techniques and in, in, in supplying its our sustainability for the future. Uh, dating all the way back to our first ASR injection well uh, up to our reuse system. Uh, One of the biggest trends in water development and water sustainability for communities is looking at direct potable reuse. And we're doing that. We're doing that through two methods, not only increasing our reuse system uh, capacity and capability, as well as um, going through a, a pilot system water testing for future direct potable reuse. Uh, we believe that those those two new water techniques m- allow us to be sustainable a- as the future goes on and, and through our economic development and, and any, any potential growth within our community. Um, so the, the two techniques you're talking about, I think, are the injection well as well as then the direct portable reuse at some point in the future. Uh, it, the, the first technique being our reuse system. Uh, we currently have a reuse system that supplies uh, effluent to various customers, golf courses, athletic complexes. That largely gets your folks off of potable, re- potable water and allows for potable water to stay within your system and your capacity. The second one is the direct potable reuse, which is taking your effluent water, treating it to a drinking water standard. Our potential project would look at injecting injecting that into an ASR well after it's treated to a drinking water standard. We're in the early stages of that, probably about five years from being able to complete that project, but we do have that planned both from a financial component as, as well as working with the state on making that happen. Uh, our ASR wells kept us sustainable through the drought uh, we used about 200 million gallons of water from our ASR system, which dropped us from about a nine-month supply down to probably the five- to six-month supply. 
that really helped us through the last couple of years when we weren't able to pull water out of the river. And so, again, Kerrville has, has done and taken enormous strides at being progressive about water sustainability so that we're able to still grow. Right. But if you look at your permit right now and, and what, what you expect to need in the future, um, is there scope to add additional water from the river or would you need storage upstream for that? I think you would need storage, and, and we've gone through a long, extensive process of looking at, at various technique, techniques, everything from acquiring more water rights uh, to, to storage. And what we've largely come down to are the two projects that we're looking at today. Uh, acquiring more water rights, well, you, ha- you still have to have water in the river in order for the water rights to make any sense. And if there's no water in the river, like there wasn't during, during the long sustainable droughts of you know, probably starting in 2010, mm-hmm. moving forward, it wouldn't have matter how much water we had on paper. If there's no water to take out, then that that's not a viable long-term solution in our mind. Um, again, storage upstream, if there's no water in the river, then there's no water to store upstream. Your run of the river still has to happen. And so that's why we looked at the, at the one water source that we believe is sustainable and in the water that we own and water that will still, we know that we will always have at least two and a half million gallons of water coming through our wastewater treatment plant any given time. Well, I grew up in Dallas and in the early days of Dallas, they were just, I guess, pulling from some small reservoirs and from the Trinity River. But then eventually they went out and, and bought a bunch of land and built a whole bunch of reservoirs around the city. Um, here we have a different situation in a sense, you, you, you know, limestone, and it's, it's maybe more difficult to create storage in, in some of these areas. But all these run-of-river systems um, have a problem in the sense that there's, there's not much storage. So, uh, and, and the Texas weather varies between drought and flood. Um, so there is, there is, of course, a lot of vacant land to the west. Uh, potentially, there's some valleys to store water in. It's not cheap, of course, but uh, it's, it's an option I'm sure you'll be looking at. At some point, even if you look you know, 50 years out, uh, there may be some need. I, th- I think what we're looking at is reservoirs downstream. Um, and again, a, a, water, a water flow that is constant and that we own today. Uh, to fill up a reservoir even upstream, you would still have to have significant flow. And, and as long as, and you would have to have the water rights in order to do that. And, and we, those aren't there today. And so we don't believe that that is the most cost-effective measure for our citizens. Uh, again, we, we had a 11-person committee that we walked through all of everything that we've done over probably the last four years and unanimously these folks came back and said, you guys are on the right track, this is what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. Let's turn for a minute to the demand side. Uh, we were talking about supply, um, but ultimately it's about consumers and you know they're expecting to turn on the tap and uh, water comes out, it's, it's good quality, they're happy with it, and they pay their bill. So. In one sense, 
the only interchange you have with consumers uh, is through the pipes and through the water bill. How do you how do you influence the way consumers behave? Uh, because in a sense, you hope that they will do certain things. You hope they will install uh, water conservation type equipment in their homes. You know, low low flush toilets. Uh, uh, put uh, restrictions in the fl- shower heads. Um, how do you carry on that conversation without uh, uh, a direct um, line to them? Well, we do have a direct line. Um, obviously, we have meetings and we have, um, you know, various mechanisms in order for this this type of of, of maybe changing the behavior. Uh, would happen. We have building codes, and, and those dictate minimum standards in building. And, and we see those building codes change over time. About every two years, the state adopts a new set of building codes. We're able to take that as a lo- local entity and adopt those very similar building codes. Um, those building codes include plum- plumbing codes, which would be things like low, you know, low flush toilets, uh, mechanisms in your shower heads those types of things. And the other way that you, you help to curve any behavior is obviously through your um, water rates. And the more you choose to use, the more you choose to pay. And that over time, I think, has been very effective for every community, not just Kerrville. Uh, we also have drought management plans that that Stewart can speak more to. Uh, and, and those are based on our safe operating capacity. Right. So the water rates increase as you use more water. I think it starts at about $3 per thousand gallons and goes up from there to seven, even ten in some cases. Seven usually is what I think is our top, kind of the 265 up to seven. For domestic. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then commercial has a little bit different yes, rates. Yes, sir. Uh, let's, let's turn now to the wastewater side. Um, you've got one treatment plant um, and... It's a secondary treatment plant, basically. But some of the standards that I think you are required to meet by the state uh, are tertiary standards they, on, for phosphorus and uh, ammonia, nitrogen. Talk to us a little bit about how the state and the federal requirements um, affect your, your operations. Well, they're, they're, they set the criteria that we must meet to discharge the, the water back into the river. And at a, in a nutshell, we cannot discharge water that's of lesser quality than what's exists in the river. And so we, we have some trigger points. Um, uh, we have our, our standard um, allowance, and then as the river flow goes less than 50 CFS, our normal or standard allowance becomes, our, our new allowance is half of that. So um, there are the regulatory authority. We report to them monthly. Um, I actually record everything daily, but we report to them monthly, um, and that's that's our relationship with with them. It's arguably our treatment plant could be considered tertiary treatment, um, depending on how you consider the anoxic tanks. Um, so we've you know we're kind of in that little bit of a gray area. It's not a not a true digester, but it's a it's a bug selection process or micro selection. Mm-hmm. I think in in the future you're talking, as as we discussed earlier, taking some of that wastewater that now goes back to the river, mm-hmm. treating it to a higher standard, in fact drinking water standard, and then injecting it into a separate uh, well that would then provide additional storage and uh, potential new source 
for uh, use in the future. Yes. Um, and uh, this would be, I think, one of the first in Texas, if not the first. Uh, there are several direct potable reuse projects going on in Texas. Big, St- Big Spring through Colorado Municipal Water District actually operates the first. Uh, they they actually put their their system goes tries directly back into their distribution system. Uh, Wichita Falls had a temporary permit that allowed them to do a very similar project and, and put directly back into their system. Brownwood is permitted for a system, but they have yet to construct it. And El Paso is in a very similar system to us, where they are they are in the pilot program of injecting that into a well. They will actually take theirs out downstream of their well, out of another well. We would look to put ours in the in and inject in and pull back out of the same existing well. Let's turn for a minute then to more general concerns. All managers have similar things to manage in a way. Uh, all, all organizations look similar on paper at least. You have assets, you have uh, staff, uh, you have uh, uh, things that you manage. Talk to us a little bit about um, your assets and, and your staff and, and how, uh, how you think about um, uh, managing that. I mean, there are certainly uh, specific things about water and sanitation, new, you know, things you have to know about the technology, about uh, how you think about water and sanitation specifically. But um, if we have these physical assets, many of which are in the ground and many of which are high cost, um, how do you finance all of that uh, over time so that you're not, you know, charging your current customers to pay for the future, you see? How do you balance the, the, the needs of the future with the, the cost of the present? There's some benefit in using debt for that uh, because the, as the people, as you build these infrastructure, you're going to uh, attract more people and those people will be here to help you pay down that that um, debt that you've taken on. So it's not all borne by the local or borne by the existing rate payers. We're doing this for the for the preservation of our future and for the growth of Kerrville. And so we're anticipating growth coming in and helping um, cover some of those expenses. Um, some of the other expenses that we're doing are, are, are borne by the um, existing rate payers. Um, but Maybe rightfully so. They've the, the system is old. It's it's gotten to a, a mature life, and some of the components are failing. And those fa- those components need to be replaced. And and that's something that the the now existing ratepayers are, are are should bear the cost of. I think one of the the changes that we are making in our budgetary process this year is looking at a ten year community investment plan. And that 10-year community investment plan will do exactly what you're saying, which is, you know, we will borne the cost of existing items today and, and put back money for existing items today so that the, the future maintenance will not be borne on just one rate payer. Uh, we are looking at a, a capital asset replacement fund within our budgetary process where each year if a pump has a 10-year lifespan, we will pay one-tenth of the cost of replacement into a capital asset replacement fund. Uh, those are, are common items in municipalities. 
uh, certainly much more common probably in the private industry than municipalities, but um, but not everyone can afford to do them. And we are finally in a in a place after coming out of the recession and and getting to a a good level that I I believe that we're in a place to make it finally work for Kerrville. And I think that will will begin to level out. It helps level out rates, it helps level out debt costs in the future. But but debt is certainly something as Stuart said that it it, it is just a necessary. Uh, a lot of times you can't save up. You know, it takes you too long to save up to get to something that you need to do now. And and, and again, those things that provide for capacity within your system then when you have that growth and, and that uh, the, the economic development growth move in, it helps pay, you know, towards that that debt as well. But we do we do long financial models, looking out twenty to thirty years, on both our capital funds as well as rates and things that we need to get done, and factor lots of things into into those. I think oftentimes we get it into a discussion about government where we where people think of government as a household budget almost uh, and and they look at the debt and they say well we better pay that down but in a sense you don't have to do that because uh, government uh, is not doesn't just live for 50 or 70 years like a household might um, it, it continues on you have people that move out or die from the system, but you're replacing those people, and so it continues on forever, basically. So the debt is actually uh, repaid through these bond issues and various things, and as inflation goes on also, it becomes less uh, of an issue. Um, so you can't really compare a household budget to a government. It's very difficult, and I think it, it provides some sticker shock yeah. to folks when you start talking about having $30, $40 million worth of debt in your system. People can't fathom that because they would not have that in their household system. Um, but we also have a $20 million budget each year, which when you when you look at, at the ratio to debt, that. It's significantly less. It, it is a hard thing to swallow. No one likes debt, but it is a necessary thing that most people do. Well, what would you say are your top priorities uh, as you sit here in 2016, looking uh, toward the next five or ten years, other than the things you've already mentioned, of course? Uh, you know, water water sustainability and, and providing for that, that economic growth path is, is certainly Council's number one priority. Uh, I think another priority that we're working on today is a landfill expansion permit. Uh, again, another resource that is very much a necessity within any community, a place to, to put your waste. And we are looking at expanding our, our landfill and providing for the next 100 years of, of landfill. Uh, we're, streets are a huge priority for the city of Kerrville making sure that our streets are on a 15-year plan where our streets are not degrading to the point of where we're having to do full replacement. Uh, we just completed a study that will go to council on Tuesday, and, and it is a, a full evaluation of our street program. And that is everything from you know very typical general maintenance to full replacement, what streets would need it. Council 
council saw the first preview of that and gave some direction and I think our consultant has done an excellent job of making sure that we meet that in the next 10 years. When, when you look at all the range of city services, including streets and water and sanitation, is the budget for the whole thing sort of mixed together, or do is there a separate uh, need to keep uh, cash positive and water and sewer, for instance, and you know separate and separate areas? We do, we do keep utilities separate by law. That has to be an enterprise fund. Uh, water and wastewater are kept into a separate fund. The city also owns the electric company, although it is managed by a separate board, but it too is a separate fund outside of the city. And then the, the tax dollars and sales tax comes into one fund, or a portion of the sales tax comes into one fund called the general fund, and that houses public safety, streets, parks, admin, um, HR, IT, uh, general fund services. And then we, we do have some, some similar separate funds, such as our 4B Corporation, which is a half-cent sales tax, and that goes into a separate fund as well. I think it's difficult, uh, to some extent, to get your mind around how all of these things work together in city government, and, and thanks for uh, uh, describing that uh, very simply to us. How can uh, people find out more about uh, the city of Kerrville if they want to go to the website or something? I think we do a, a good job of putting out press releases as things are happening with inside the city. Uh, again, the best place to see that is on the website. Uh, if anyone would like to, to give us a call, we're more than happy to visit with anybody at any time. Uh, we're proud of our, our work. We're proud of our employees. We're certainly proud of our plants and, and the things that our employees are able to do out there. And, and we're happy to take anyone out there who would like to see you know, that type of, of operation. Um, I yep. think we've, we have the best best employees I've worked with in the state of Texas. Great. Well, I'll put the uh, websites on the show notes. Um, and thanks very much for showing us around and uh, telling us about your operations. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for your interest. So that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Join us again next week when we explore another organization and its story of performance. Until then, I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Goodbye, for now. Goodbye.